Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in a brand new series, really just second weekend in a series called Neighboring Well. And what this series is about is about hospitality. And, um, you know, a, a hospitality that is, is more than just inviting people in, you know, for, for dinner. Um, you know, that's a type of hospitality. But the bigger dynamic of hospitality as it relates to our lives in Christ. And we, we started as an intro last week, and I said, you know, there's, there's spiritual components of this, aspects, there's, there's practical aspects of hospitality. And I, I said to you as well that perhaps the uh, most impressive demonstration of hospitality ever, it is the most impressive, was Jesus going to the cross for us and paying for our sin for all time, all sin for all time, so that, that in him we could, we could find our way home uh, in, in God. We can find our way back home to him. And so um, it's, a, it's an amazing demonstration of hospitality. And we talked about the importance of, you know, hospitality without grumbling. And we, we, uh, I said to you that, that this spiritual ideal, an idea that I want to talk about, has to do with standing on behalf of our neighbors. That, that there are two kingdoms involved, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Um, they're in no way equal. The kingdom of God is, is, is already one in every way imaginable. And so it's not like a tug of war. Um, but the kingdom of darkness still exists until Jesus comes back. And, and uh, we have a very real enemy. All, and although he was um, rendered virtually powerless at the cross by what Jesus did, he still um, has uh, the ability to deceive people um, primarily with lies and tricks and schemes and traps. And we've talked about uh, throughout the years all the stuff he likes to use, guilt and shame and all those things to keep people trapped in darkness. And in our last series, we, we talked about how the, the, um, we're to be de- the people who declare the praise of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So from the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous light of the kingdom of God. And, and so as part of our lives and what we're called to do is this idea of standing up uh, for our neighbors who are being deceived until they know Christ and and standing for them in ways that uh, help them into this process so that they too can come home to God. And so this is the type of hospitality we're really exploring in our series. And we're going to take some time in this series to look at, at standing for our neighbors and the, um, the equipment that we have to do that in the armor of God, and then how that applies in this area of hospitality uh, and what it means to us in, in the idea of neighboring well. And so that's what our series is about, and we're going we're gonna to be looking at the, some of the armor today. We're going to start with the first piece here in just a moment. Uh, but from the intro to the sermon, I always try and present to you a bad joke, and uh, once again, I, have, um, I believe I've measured up to the task. I had a really weird dream last night. I I dreamed I was a tailpipe. I woke up this morning feeling exhausted. (laughs) Not bad, right? Pretty bad. Scripture reading here on purpose, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. So let's begin our look at the armor of God today by talking about, first point in your notes, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Ephesians 6.14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, um, we live in a, in a culture and a time where, where truth is not considered to be absolute. Um, most people think of truth as whatever you need truth to be can be your truth and I'm going to have whatever my truth is and that's all going to be good and and unfortunately that's not the reality truth is truth and if it's true for me it's true for you and it's true for everybody else and if it's not true for me it's not true for you Um, there is an absolute truth that we uh, understand as believers and and uh, in the Bible it says very clearly Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life so in effect Jesus is truth uh, and so there is absolute truth in him and and um, and so we, we have a different way of viewing things than the, the world and the culture around us. Again, I've, I've told you there are lots of schemes and tricks that our enemy uses, and this is one of the areas he's moved into. He's, he's the father of lies, and he knows how to twist truth to the, to the point where people don't even believe that there's truth anymore, and then he can do all sorts of things in the minds and the hearts of people because they just fall into that understanding. But, but Jesus is truth. And, and like most of the armor, it's really, as we pray these things and as we think about the armor, and really it's a, it's a process of, of sort of preparing ourselves and getting dressed in this armor on a, on a daily basis, if not more frequently than that, thinking about it. The armor, to me, always represents the life of Jesus that we're to follow, and he's our truth, and so we're, we're, we're putting on truth when we think about this process, remembering um, who we are and whose we are and all those things that um, impact our lives as we move through the day. Because um, walking as people of truth has an impact on our neighbors, and so we need to continue to stand in the process. Like I said, even though everything is trying to pull it apart, we need to continue to stand as people of truth. So what we need to do then, and second point, and this is what to me this is all about, this idea, is being people of integrity. That, that um, the truth that we're walking in, this belt of truth that we're praying about, is that we're praying all the time that God would help us to be people of integrity. Now, when I say integrity, when I think about integrity, to me it's, it's this, it's, it's what I say I believe matching up with how I live my life. And, and again, um, in the struggle that I live it in, I haven't attained perfection yet in any way, shape, or form, um, uh, but I don't need to be a hypocrite. Um, I need to continue to press on in Jesus and live this thing out before him. But my desire is that my that what I say I believe and how I live this life would match up in, in as many areas as 
possible and more and more as we go along. It's sort of like the old saying, uh, and this doesn't, doesn't just for preachers, it's for everybody, that you need to practice what you preach. And that needs to be the truth in our lives. And we, we know that too, how that works. I mean, uh, any of you that have had children, had the, uh, the blessing of having children in your life, um, you can tell them what to do, but if you do something differently than what you tell them, they totally disregard what you tell them and they do what you demonstrate. Because that's how, that's how people are impacted. And that's true in every area and situation. It's true in the church. If we, if we say one thing and live another, the people around us see that and they go, well, they don't mean that. And, and so it's a process. And so every area of my life that doesn't yet match up with what I say I believe is an area where I'm still lacking integrity. And I would love to be able to stand up here and say to you that I don't have any of those areas left in my life. But that would be a lie, and it would lack integrity. I'm still a work in progress. I'd like to be at that spot, but I'm not yet. I'm still dealing with issues. But integrity is really a heart issue to me. It's, it's not... Um, it's not as much of a, like a rule issue, it's a heart issue. Does my heart desire to be a person of integrity? And, and that's really what this gets down to. Do I really, I want to do the right thing, or something's going to mess up, but my heart's desire, what's in me is to do the right thing and to live for the Lord. And, and that that desire from the heart then um, begins to supersede uh, sort of the justification and rationalization that we will often do to try and do things that we shouldn't do uh, and, and um, think that we can get away with. One of my favorite stories about this whole process is in 2 Kings chapter 12, uh, and it's about a king named Joash. And in our Bible Institute on Sunday nights, we're actually studying, we've just started studying the kings, and, and so I've been looking at the kings, and most of the kings, when they're introduced to us biblically, are, are introduced by saying, um, this was king so-and-so, and he did right all the days of his life, or this was king so-and-so, and he did evil all the days of his life. But this king pops up, named Joash, and he has a different description. It's very interesting in verse 2. It says, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord... All the years Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Not, so it, wasn't, it was a different sort of introduction than the other kings. Interesting. So all the years of Jehoiada, the priest, Joash did the right thing. Joash was very young, going into uh, becoming king, and uh, Jehoiada helped him and encouraged him and trained him. And all the days that Jehoiada, the priest, lived, uh, Joash did the right thing. But something happens. Second Chronicles 24, 17 and 18 something different takes place. After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. And they abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and worshipped Asherah poles and idols. See, Jehoiada, he did the right thing as long as Jehoiada, uh, Joash did the right thing, pardon me, as long as Jehoiada was alive. But after he died, Joash quickly started to do the wrong thing. And so, it, to me, that's a picture of, of lacking integrity. See, he was, he was only doing the right thing because he was doing it for Jehoiada. But when Jehoiada was taken out of the picture, he just started to do whatever he wanted to do. And, and, and so, we talk about this. You know, doing the next right thing has to be a hard thing. And it's not that we get it perfect all the time, but it has to be an attitude of the heart. And if we're only doing the next right thing because uh, we're, we're, we think people are watching or because we're, you know, we think, oh, I have to do that for these people and those people, we still have some work to be done in our heart. 
See, um, you know, and I'm not, well, at some level, you know, even in my own life, I, I want to do what's right because of my family and because of my friends and because of the church and my walk with God, and I, I want to do what's right. Um, uh, but that's not enough if my heart's not fully engaged. See, what has to happen in this process is it has to become, um, regardless of any other reason, just my desire to live for God with my whole heart all in um, for Him because that's where life is found. Otherwise, I start rationalizing and justifying things that I shouldn't do and that lacks integrity. And, and oftentimes, we, we're pretty good at making excuses um, in the process. Like, um, here, here's a big one. Uh, I'm going to do this because no one will ever know. Just because no one will ever know, is it okay to do something? No. Um, how, here's another one that gets us in trouble. I deserve it. I deserve that. See, we talk about the enemy being deceptive. These are just lies from the enemy. Life isn't fair. So because it's not fair, I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing. I'm tired of waiting. That gets a lot of people in trouble. I don't want to wait any longer. I just want it. I can't wait. And of course, the perhaps biggest rational lie of them all, God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? I have... I, I, I can't... I. The thing is this, yes, he does want you to be happy, but not at the expense of your integrity. God wants you to be happy, but it's never... See, but people will use that all the time about, oh, well, God wants me to be happy, so I'm going to do whatever I think I to do. And it, it lacks integrity, and it gets us in trouble. So, so then, you know, the question becomes, well, how do we live in integrity? And this is what we need to do to, to neighbor well. Because again, we're not going to get this perfect, but it's, it's about constantly desiring to do the right thing. And so my, my thing for this at point three is, is we should live like someone is watching. You should, you should actually live like someone is watching all the time. Because in fact, someone is watching all the time. God is always watching, always. And you'd be surprised what people around you are seeing in your life. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Now, some people think, well, that's kind of creepy, thinking, you know, living like somebody's watching all the time. I actually find it very freeing, because then I don't have to think about, well, I can do this because no one's watching, but I can't do that. I just live like somebody's watching. It's just very freeing. It's just like, God, I want to be what you called me to be, and it doesn't matter what's going on around me. And I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not either, which is also extremely freeing. You know, if you live differently when people are watching than you do when people aren't watching, it's a bondage of some measure. Because we should be living in a way that people watching makes no difference, which means we're living with integrity. We're moving in the right direction. And, and, and see, life is always better. We talk about this when we live by trying to do the next right thing. I told a story last night. Some of you heard it, but it's a pretty good story. So I'll tell it again. Um, it's about, one of the things I, I, see, here's what happens with me. A lot of times what gets me in trouble and where I can begin to rationalize and justify is I, I see something that I think really needs to be done and, and, um, and I go ahead and do it even though it might not be the next right thing to do. I'm just describing life for all, like all of us, right? So I, here's, a, here's a thing that happened. So it was four years ago. And um, those of you that come to church, you know this, like at the next service and the, and, and the one after that, and even in the season at this service, the parking lot here gets crazy. It's just packed. You have to park out in the streets. And if you're, not, you're late, you're out in the neighborhoods. And I'm always walking around thinking, we own a bunch of property, but a big chunk of this property um, 
I want to be careful how I say this. We're not allowed to use because there may be a frog that lives there that no one's ever found yet. And I, I, I'm not bitter. <laughs> but there's a p- potential for a frog to live out in that area. So we can't, we can't touch that. Okay, that's life. But anyway, if you, I'm walking around and I'm thinking, and, and in the back of the church here, we had this, this big mess of um, trees and brush and mess, and people were throwing tires in it and batteries, and it was, it was horrendous back there. And, and uh, that's part of my, my excuse thing coming in already. And I saw that, and I thought, you know, if I clean this out really nice and cut down some of these trees, I could park probably 20 cars back here. That'd be, that'd be just wonderful. It would look better. Everybody's going to be happy. No more junk stuff going on. Just really nice. And ah, uh, the little side of impact is I can park some cars here. So, um, so I organized in my brain how to do this. And, uh, and, and I got the, a group together on a Saturday. Um, and, and so, you know, Saturday projects a lot of times are, means that you, there's people who you don't want to see what you're doing. That's right off the bat. Certain people don't work on Saturdays. I'm going to jump in and do some stuff on this Saturday. Brought a crew in and boop, we cleaned out everything that was back there. Every tree, every brush, everything. Boop, totally gone. All the garbage, everything. Boop, I was ready for this whole deal. I had rock and everything. We rocked it. It looked like by the end of that day, it had always been such. Boom, done. And we could park cars back there. It was wonderful. I'm like, look at this. Isn't this a wonderful thing? Well, it was for about a month. Then I got two certified letters, one at my house and one here at the church, addressed to me. Certified letters, what in the world am I getting certified letters for? I open them up, and they're letters from the county saying, oops. And so, you know, and then, uh, then uh, at first what happens is I start to get this indignation, right? So, ah, who are they? Why don't they just give me a phone call? Certified letters, really, saying if I don't appear at such and such a time, fines, you know, it's, just, it's like over the top. And, I'm, and so I spend a couple of weeks, so you've heard this, I spend a couple of weeks just being really angry. I don't answer because I'm furious, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up and give someone. But the whole time, I'm completely in the wrong. I've justified it, I've rationalized it, but it should have never happened. I should have never done it. I did it, that's the deal, but I'm still trying to... Anyway, you never, I know none of you have ever done that. So, so I'm angry, and I'm, you know, who did, and, and anyway, two weeks go by, and I finally have prayed through, and I realize I need to own this thing. I've, I shouldn't have done it. Got an issue. I make a phone call, and I just start to apologize and repent. Say, what do we do to make it right? And they, God bless them, were very kind and prescribed the path back to life, you know, in, in good standing, if you would. And so I had, to, um, I had to hire a surveyor who came in and did inspections on uh, areas just like this and told me what plants we needed to have put back in, what tropicals that we took out. And so I had to take that and I had to hire somebody to replant all the plants, keep them in there. I had to, to um, uh, and then, you know, uh, uh, keep those things all alive for three years. And we got inspected every year, uh, and we got through that pro- and, and all that has been restored now, and, and all is well, and everybody's happy, and, and, and I learned my lesson. But there's a, there's a part of the story that's funny. So all this is going on, and I'm making it better, and I, you know, I get in front of the church, and I, I repent and everything, tell everybody what's going on, because it's everybody's business. And, uh, and then I, I, the county, they actually had told me we wouldn't have done anything if, if somebody hadn't complained, one of your neighbors complained. Ah, now I'm getting mad all over again. And I'm thinking about, you know, I wish I knew who it was and everything. And then fortunately, it didn't go very long. The Lord sort of spoke to me pretty quickly and said, you know, you weren't right anyway. And they had every right to do that. And if you ever do find out, your reaction would be to bless them. 
Okay. So. Oh, yeah. That's my, that's my immediate reaction. Well, bless you. So I get in church and I say, you know, this is what happened. And, and if we ever do find out who it is, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna, to, man, we're going to go over. We're going to clean their grass. We're going to cut their yards for them. We'll clean their windows. We'll do whatever we can to bless them and make that up. And so I, I finished that. And at the end of uh, saying that several times, we have a woman, a saint, who comes to the church here. And uh, I think she's 90. She comes all, most of the year. She goes in the summer and gets out of here. And she, uh, she called me over at the end of the service. And she come here. She goes, she goes, Hey, uh, I'm the one that turned you in. When can you come over and cut my grass? <laughs> now, she hadn't turned me in. <laughs> she was like, I want what you just described. Could you come in? She's funny. The only one that thought of that. Yeah, that was me. I'll, I'll own that. If you'll start coming over and cutting my grass, I'm in. So what do we need to do? I only say that for this. Fourth thing, we need to live a life that pleases God. We just need to live for Him. And, and He takes care of the rest of the stuff. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. Finally, brothers, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So to be people of integrity, we need to live lives that are pleasing to God. And, and the reality of that is we can't do that without God's help. We need to know that He's with us and that He's for us and that He loves us. And when we do mess up, He forgives us. So we, we don't start trying to pretend this thing and acting like we're more together than we are. And that he, when he, he forgives us, He empowers us to go and do the next right thing again. And that this is what we're heading towards in life. We're not there yet, but we're moving in that direction. And us willing, being willing to move in that direction does definitely impact the people around us. Because we need to be people of integrity to take a stand for our neighbors. It's part of the deal. It's a huge part of the deal. We can't be just like everybody else. We need to love them, and, and, and yet we, we can't just do things because the culture does them, and it's all what you can get away with. It's all about a heart that wants to do the next right thing. There's a book that John Eldridge wrote, and he, he had this thing that he put in his body. I just love this. It's a quote from John Eldridge about somebody else. But um, Henry Nouwen, who is a, a spiritual thinker, if you would, he, uh, he asked Mother Teresa for spiritual direction. You know, you've heard of Mother Teresa. And this is what she said. She said, spend one hour each day in adoration of your Lord and never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. Isn't that great? How does it get any better than that? That whole sermon right there in one thing. Here's what you need to do. Hang out with Jesus and never do anything you know is wrong and you'll be fine. And then, you know, to back that up, when we do mess up, we go run into Jesus and, and, and he loves us and forgives us. You know, we have an advocate with him and the Father and he empowers us to do the next right thing. But that's a heart desire. Lord, I just want to do what's right. I want to do the next right thing. And Lord, would you, would you empower me and help me to do that? And not only for my life, but for the life of all those around us, for the lives of our neighbors as well. So that's what that's all about. Think about that this week. Any areas that, you know, you can ask God to help you with as far as integrity goes and, and uh, just moving through those is very freeing and very helpful in our lives. Okay, if you're watching by television or on video, thank you very much. We appreciate you doing that and we know how valuable your time is. If you need any prayer, go to our website. We will absolutely pray for you. Uh, there's a prayer page there. Um, and uh, come and visit us when you can. Thanks for being a part today.